Well, hi, everybody. This is a podcast from the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs, or WASPIC. Uh, and again, thank you for joining us. We do these uh, podcasts uh, regularly when we can. My name is Steve Strand. I'm your executive director for the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs, or WASPIC. Our uh, guest today is Chief Eric Skirpin. Did I get that right? You did. Thank Thanks, you. Steve. I appreciate that. Um, as somebody whose last name is also hard to, to pronounce. Um, and Chief Scarpin and I, uh, and he is, of course, is the chief of Marysville, um, are going to talk a little bit about a sort of an outgrowth of a conversation that he and I had where he mentioned that the, um, the mantra uh, that is sort of being introduced at Marysville PD is slow down, team up, tell our story. And that hit me like a bolt of lightning that this is, or that is probably one of the best sort of very brief summaries of exactly the expectation of change right now in law enforcement and how to implement it, how to improve uh, relationships, how to improve trust, how to communicate with our, with our, our folks. Uh, there's so much in that phrase, slow down, team up, and tell our story. So we want to talk about that in managing change. So again, welcome, Chief. Thank you. Um, if you could briefly, can you talk a little bit about just your background, your biography, um, what brought you to Marysville PD? Yeah, sure. So um, born and raised in the Northwest. Uh, I got into police work um, in my teens. I was a police explorer and started in 911. Um, uh, worked with the Redmond Police Department there in the 911 center. And um, through those experiences, I knew I wanted to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. So uh, that led me to a long career uh, with the Redmond Police Department. Um, moved through the ranks there, was hired as a officer in 99, and then um, eventually moved into supervision uh, in the late 2000s and uh, got onto command staff uh, around 2012. Um, moved through a variety of roles at Redmond, um, forwarded my education along the way with both a, a bachelor's and a, a master's degree, and uh, came here just in, in 2020, um, arriving as the chief of Marysville. So mm -hmm. very happy to be in this community. Mm -hmm. And of course, Marysville, a rapidly growing community in Snohomish County. It's, uh, is it about 70,000 now? Yeah, so we're just over 70,000. Um, we have 20 square miles. Uh, we have a really unique jurisdiction here. Uh, I-5 uh, running right up the middle. Uh, neighbors uh, to the west with the Tulalip Tribal Reservation um, have other local jurisdictions that we work closely with, with Arlington, uh, Lake Stevens, and the Sheriff's Office. Mm -hmm. Number of casinos in the area, um, and a really interesting uh, community. Um, mm -hmm. I have residents here describe it as a gritty community. It's a working class town. Uh, we have great people that live here, um, but we have real problems, too, that we need to help uh, when it comes to a public safety standpoint. Yeah, and combining growth with uh, all the dynamics you just described is, is uh, both challenging and rewarding, I can only, uh, I can only imagine. Um, if I could, you know, let me segue into the next question, which is um, you talked to us sort of about where you came from and your expectations of law enforcement. How have you seen this profession uh, change in the time that you've been doing this? Yeah, so two decades goes by mm -hmm. really fast. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we, in law enforcement, we've been under constant state of change. There's never been a year that's gone by where something hasn't changed significantly. I think right now, um, you have a real confluence with that change, like almost a, an exaggeration mm -hmm. uh, of that change. Um, but it's one of those things where We've been through times where we've had to change our tactics before, uh, our procedures. Uh, we can always find ways uh, through that. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that I've had it described to me is law enforcement um, 
is like water. It will always find a way. Mm -hmm. and, and that has been my experience too with change over the years is, uh, you know, we've had a court change or a law change and we always find a way to, to make it work for what we're expected to do and what our communities expect from us. And uh, we're, we're taping this podcast in, you know, the fall of 2021. We've got a session coming up in 2022 mm -hmm. where uh, Waspick and our, our state sheriffs and chiefs will be looking for some uh, changes to the reform laws that were passed uh, in the most recent session in 2021. But, um, you know, and, and certainly there's been a lot of discussion about the, the needed and necessary changes that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. However, if you draw back a little bit, um, you know, Waspick has supported reform, the goals of reform, the overall goals of reform, as long as they're productive, even though the laws that were written sometimes didn't didn't necessarily lead to that, and we're looking for some changes. However, if you look at the big picture, what is it that you think um, society, that the state of Washington, that the public is looking for in terms of change when you talk about reform? And it sort of gets to the that mantra that we're talking about. Yeah, so when I think about that, um, we almost hit a hard stop over this last uh, summer and, and legislative session. We heard very, very loudly from the community that they want something different um, from their, their public safety solutions. Um, they want us to have a greater respect for the people that we have to deal with out there on the street. And that's regardless of what the problem is, be it mental health, um, a criminal issue. Uh, they want us using less force. Um, they want us treating people with more respect uh, and really um, rep rep respecting the sanctity of human life. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. That to me seems the overarching goal behind all of this. And so, you know, as a new police chief, I sat back thinking, okay, there's going to be a legislative session this year. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get involved with that right now. I want to kind of get my feet underneath me. And then uh, very quickly, I realized uh, that that was not going to be a successful strategy, <laughs> given the kind of change that we're facing. Uh, and I dove into trying uh, to address those things positively, uh, both from you know, back home at the agency, getting people ready for what I saw as coming down the pipeline. Uh, as well as trying to impact better outcomes at, at the level for state lawmakers so that mm -hmm. it really benefited the profession overall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes to uh, addressing uh, change and, and the change that was essentially thrust upon law enforcement, um, one of the things that I thought was most important for our agency was to step back from that and get them ready. Mm -hmm. um, so when it came to those law enforcement reforms taking effect mid-summer, uh, we had our policies prepared uh, a well a month in advance, and that you know fully vetted by our people. They understood where we were going, and I was trying to search for a way. Um, I had just taken the patrol tactics course over the summer as well, that was hosted by Tulalip, and appreciative of Chief Sutter over there and getting us through that training. Um, but I was trying to come up with a way that we could have people understand what these new reforms meant, and then how, in simplest terms, we could respond to them uh, in a way that didn't require, you know, some long, mm -hmm. <laughs> convoluted way of, you know, this is what I'm expecting you as your chief, mm -hmm. or this is what the public is expecting of you. Uh, and that's how we came up with this slow down, team up, and tell our story approach. Mm -hmm. um, and you can apply that to so many different aspects of policing, mm -hmm and really tailored to whatever you're dealing with. And we found it's really uh, resonated um, not only with our police officers, uh, but with our partners in the fire service as well. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but you're exactly right. And if you look at particularly some of the issues related to 
behavioral health pickups and that kind of thing that slow down team up and tell our story both for fire and police that's another thing I hadn't thought of but that's a good point so let me go back for a second to you talking about patrol tactics training so patrol patrol tactics training through the criminal justice training commission which has now been um, sort of expanded statewide through tr some train the trainer opportunities as I understand it and I have I, I myself have not taken patrol tactics training I'm I'm no longer sworn, so I haven't taken it. I would tell you I have heard from uh, a, a, an amazing number of chiefs and sheriffs and command staff. Uh, they said, this training rocks. I mean, very, very positive. And it was substantive, and it really is sort of um, boiled down to what you just said. Um, slow down, team up, tell our story. Um, and I've heard chiefs and sheriffs expressing how internally within their agencies, it's led to really substantive change. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so if you if you think back um, to any time that you've spent on the street and, and the very best police officers that you dealt with or that you tried to emulate or that you, you used as a role model, um, I always think back to the, that officer that was calm, cool, collected. Um, maybe they weren't first to the scene, but they had a plan. Uh, or it might have been that sergeant who said, hey team, this is a pretty dicey one. Can we meet over here and come up with a quick strategy on how we're going to deal with this? And it always uh, drove better outcomes for the, the calls that I was on with those type of people. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, that's where I kind of draw this inspiration from is, um, you know, how do you make sure that you control the pace of what you're dealing with? Because a lot of times when we look at uh, even an emergency, we can do things um, either by positioning ourselves uh, or how we choose to approach something uh, that allows us to control the pace of the, mm -hmm. the engagement. And, and that's both criminal and non-criminal um, factors. You know, when, when it came to these law enforcement reforms and, and talking about slowing down, one of the first things we mentioned to our officers was, okay, well, so you get a suicide attempt call. Um, make a phone call first, get some more information. Is this happening now? Is it old information? You know, because sometimes we get incomplete information um, with that call intake. And it's not because our 911 call takers don't want to get it. Sometimes it's just not available right there at that moment. So it's collecting more information, determining what you need, what resources you need to try and drive a good outcome at the scene. Mm -hmm. And then bringing as many resources to the scene. That's the whole team up part. Um, how many cops do you need to get there in order to make this safe? Mm -hmm. uh, sending the message to our people hey, the non-emergent stuff can wait, especially when you're dealing with something where you need more people. You know, in Marysville, uh, we've become very adept at doing a lot, handling a lot of calls for service with not much staffing. Uh, I sent a real clear message to my people, it's okay if it takes you longer on some of that stuff mm -hmm. because we have to slow down and get together and make sure we have a good outcome on this other stuff. And, th th and th that's a really productive conversation, and it is about... What is the public expecting of us? I have heard negative feedback statewide about the fact that what you just described in terms of allocating resources, teaming up, doing it the right way, which is an expectation mm -hmm. under um, the new way of doing things. Okay, And again, I'm, I, I, I think that that is fine, but it also means it's going to take longer to do those non-emergent things. And you know, community members are telling chiefs and sheriffs, it's taking longer for you know to get an officer or deputy for certain things. It is what it is. I think that we have to get our arms around that. Mm -hmm. In the the days of what I used to call hit and run policing, of get to the call as quick as you can, mm -hmm. um, 
figure out what you got and move on to the next one. This is very different. It just is. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that I thought of as you're talking about this is, uh, particularly when you have conversations with community groups, um, re- reform advocates, um, it, you know, we talk about defunding the police and there should be less law enforcement. Um, what I'm starting to hear more and more of, including from the academic world and in, in fact even community groups, we need more police. Safer is more police. More police does not equal more incarceration, does not, it does not equal more arrests. It equals being able to implement the things you just talked about. Do you agree with that? Yes, yeah, yeah. wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, when I first got here, I recognized that our people were driving to calls for service and placing calls to clear other calls for service. I said, please, you've got to stop doing that. You're not doing yourselves any favors. You're not focused on where you're going and what you're expected to do right next. Um, and that doesn't help us out when it comes to providing actually the best quality service mm-hmm. uh, that we can provide. So, right. so um, sl- uh, slow down, team up, tell our story. So let's talk about slowing down and teaming up. Can you provide, I mean, do you have any examples of, you know, where this has manifested itself and sort of how it went within within the agency? You know, I'm, I'm sure some people are sort of like, what are we doing? This is yeah. different than what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, two examples I'll give you. First was um, uh, a medical involuntary commitment example. Uh, Officers were called to the scene of a domestic violence dispute. Um, There was a minor assault that occurred between an adult uh, son and his father. Um, So it wasn't a mandatory arrest situation. Um, The adult son was clearly having uh, suffering from a a mental condition. He was off his medications. Uh, He really needed to be seen by a hospital facility. Uh, this is a 350 pound angry dude mm-hmm. who's off his meds. Um, and I, I actually watched, witnessed this call where I saw my officers go there. I was just gonna interrupt and say, yeah. this is also the first paragraph of a bad story in the newspaper. It could be. In many yeah. cases. Yes, yes. Yeah. yep, could, so. could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're, we're prior to reforms, we might have just immediately gone mm-hmm. hands on with this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably would have resulted in injury to him as mm-hmm. well as injury to the officers. Mm-hmm. This guy was that that powerful. Um, but they came up with a different plan. So they're 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 talking, they're negotiating with him, uh, they're controlling the environment by getting family members out of the area where they're not amping uh, this guy up, um, summoning more officers to the scene. We ended up actually with the entire patrol crew there, about five officers. Uh, we had an engine company from Marysville Fire, and then a transport uh, aid car with accompanying staff from Arlington. And it took about 10 people to be able to basically guide this gentleman into uh, the gurney and then strap him down while not not necessarily using force, but definitely guiding him because he, he ended up, he was more verbally combative than he was actually combative mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had enough people there that we could control him and safely do that without causing any harm or using force, really, for either him or for the officers mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. Um, excellent example. Um, I have shared with some uh, an example I heard from a, a, a chief in eastern Washington where just an, an abusive person that is sort of that frequent flyer that officers deal with all the time was yelling at officers on a separate call. Um, one of the officers ran his name, he had a warrant for his arrest, misdemeanor warrant, and um, you know the officers were preparing to go and basically uh, execute the warrant, arrest that person, and part of it was because he'd been you know swearing and threatening the officers while they were on a separate call. 
And the sergeant had been to patrol tactics training and said, why now? You know, he's worked up. Um, we may be forcing a confrontation. You know, let's let's pick our opportunity and not let him pick, him pick the opportunity for us. Um, and it was viewed as a success by the department, but there were certainly officers that said, you know, that's not how we do business. You know, that's different than what we've done before. You don't get to, a, you know, yell at us in the parking lot of an apartment complex. Um, but it's, it's part of that shift. And when you talk about that shift and how it, how it works itself out within the agency, can you talk a little bit about how that's gone? Yeah, and, um, you know, the example that you give there um, just generates for me the idea about that we, we've expressed internally with our supervisors uh, of them really taking a prominent role in risk management. Mm-hmm. Right, they're the ones, and we've always ex- uh, expected this from our supervisors. But if you look at the uh, prominence that risk management plays in the role of a supervisor, based on these most recent reforms, mm-hmm. that really, really elevates them in that role. So we've we've really capitalized on that with our supervisors. Say, hey, look, you are out there to manage mm-hmm. risk and look for those opportunities to steer your team away from making mm-hmm. a bad decision. Um, because frankly, they're the ones who are best positioned to be able to drive that better outcome for us. So as you're talking about this, what's really occurring to me very clearly is this is a resource issue as, as uh, city councils, as counties make decisions about, you know, how many officers do we need? What kind of, of, of budget do we need for the police department? And I'm certainly seeing a shift away from, you know, let's take more money away from the police department. I think that's in most communities has changed, but this kind of policing, which is now the expectation, and which is part of the change we're talking about, requires um, at least as many, probably more, officers and deputies. It certainly requires engaged supervision. It, in, it certainly requires training. Those things all cost money. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, communicating that, and that if you want to do this the right way, it's going to take those resources. That's going to be critical, isn't it? Yeah, it's a commitment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've been watching our uh, response times closely mm-hmm. uh, here just as we've come out of the summer and, and trying to determine, like, are we seeing an impact mm-hmm. um, due to, you know, taking an approach, as we've described, with slowing down and teaming up. Mm-hmm. Um, thus far, we haven't seen a significant rise in response times uh, across the board, mm-hmm. um, but we're also at historic low uh, call volumes. Okay. Um, we, you know, we, we do have a lot more mental health uh, issues that are occurring out there. We've seen a 3,000% increase in mental health calls wow. since the beginning of the pandemic. So there's definitely different kinds of calls for service that are taking our attention. And we've been sharing with our elected officials uh, and stakeholders the concerns that we have about resource issues moving forward mm-hmm. and letting them know, um, you know, hey, this is going to take some different investments. Um, that's uh, one of the things we're, we're in the midst of doing right now is um, rolling out a body camera program. Mm-hmm. And we're in a pilot right now, uh, but we're moving towards the um, the uh, deployment uh, of that program and the procurement of the overall mm-hmm. uh, program. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap to do mm-hmm. that, as any chief knows. Um, but the kinds of conversations that we've had with our electeds, they understand um, the kind of benefits that we'll get from that in terms of transparency and fostering trust in the community. Um, and the kind of benefits that our officers, frankly, will also get that. Um, that's part, almost comes into part with the tell our story aspect mm-hmm. of this, right? Mm-hmm. Showing the work that they do, showing the conditions that they're facing um, in about as honest and transparent a way as, as we can come up with. You know, nobody's come up with anything better uh, yeah. to this day. Um, I was just going to ask you about telling our story next, but uh, just a quick aside. Um, 
you know, frankly, other than Seattle, um, which continues to debate the size of their police department and potentially cutting that, and we've got, you know, an election coming up where I think some of those decisions will be driven. Um, I've, I've certainly seen statewide um, most of the conversation has been in, frankly, the right direction about how do we add more resources to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, federal way in South King County, I know the mayor there has proposed um, a significant addition to the police department. Kent, mm-hmm. uh, several communities in South King County, I think in Snohomish County. Um, so I think um, the community and elected officials are, are picking up on that and the resources that are needed to do this if we want to do it right. Yeah, most most definitely. So here in Marysville, um, over just over the past year, uh, we received investments in over the next two years uh, to include this one, uh, four additional police officers, uh, 10 additional custody officers, uh, a mental health professional, a record supervisor, um, professional standards uh, support. Um, it's been tremendous, the kind of support that we've received up yeah. here and that type of commitment to elected leaders who know um, that policing needs more resources, especially right now. Perfect. Exactly. That's a that's a great message. Um, so I did want to ask you a little bit more about the third element of of the phrase: slow down, team up, tell our story. That's a. I mean, slow down, slow down, and team up is about how officers uh, change their approach. And again, it goes back to the patrol tactics training. It goes back to de-escalation. You know, which I don't think is just a catchphrase. It's about institutionalizing, mm-hmm. institutionalizing, excuse me, de-escalation. Telling our story is the third part of this. It's really critical, and mm-hmm. I think it's easy to uh, forget about. So I, I really appreciate that you added that third element. Um, body cameras, you talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. What else does it mean? Yeah, and, and, and backing up just into those first two elements because mm-hmm. it just hit me that um, it, it's really critical when we're dealing with complex problems out there generally the more minds that you have on a particular issue, you're gonna get a better solution, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not Don't leave it to the chief to have the solution in the room, right? If I'm gonna to go to a call, I want my you know three sharpest patrol officers there, and preferably the sergeant as well too, to help mm-hmm. drive a better outcome. I'm not gonna have the solution, they will. Um, so that that is another key aspect to those first two components, is, is just to help with decision making right. and drive good outcomes. Right. When it comes to telling the story, though, that expands out into uh, how our officers write reports. So it's uh, everything from detailing uh, what they did, mm-hmm. um, what they considered, what they didn't do. I mean, when you look at 1310 and, and the, the laundry list that comes with it among, you know, here are the things that you should be doing. Those are the things that we're telling our officers they need to be considering as they're writing the report. Mm-hmm. They really need to set the stage. What did they see? What did they hear? What did they do? What resources did they have available to them? What resources did they consider but didn't have available to them? Mm-hmm. And so that telling telling the story through the report is one critical aspect. But on top of that, it's taking um, those good examples of great police work mm-hmm. and just really promoting the heck out of it. I mean, this is telling anybody who will listen, mm-hmm. be it social media, uh, creating videos, talking with community groups, uh, sharing with your elected officials, um, and, and speaking with an authentic and genuine voice from the agency, not from just one person, but from a variety of different sources. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've started things like a, a behind-the-scenes page for the police department. Um, our, our PIO is a, a recent inject from uh, the Spokane uh, media uh, area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she's been looking into the kinds of things that really drive community engagement for police departments, mm-hmm. It's all been behind the scenes type, a look into 
things that the public doesn't normally see. Yeah. Um, and so the more that we can share the great work that we're doing and kind of demystify aspects of police work and make it more accessible to the community, we're doing education through mm-hmm. that whole process. Um, this can be things, everything from you know sharing uh, great uh, crime capture stories to from dangerous suspects who are you know doing bad things in our communities um, to life saving actions of our officers, and we know we've got good cops out there saving lives every day. And so, I'm assuming part of that, or implicit in that, is is when you have the story of the way that officers de-escalated what could have been mm-hmm. a confrontation. When you have the story, I mean, certainly the heroic stuff, the life saving stuff. I mean. That deserves attention and it should get attention. Um, I think uh, historically that's been kind of sometimes all we do. Um, and I, I'm really I'm really interested in that perspective you just gave of the behind the scenes piece and that really connects with people. In other words, um, I've seen a lot of departments have been doing virtual ride-alongs or, or tweet-alongs, mm-hmm. I think they're calling mm-hmm. them. And in many cases when I've seen those, it's a lot of routine stuff. It's, you know, we're checking behind a business, we're pulling doors on a place, we're, you know, responding to this call. And it can seem really um, minor to us because it's what we do. But uh, what I'm hearing from you is that's exactly what the public needs to hear is what, what is it we're yep. doing? Yeah. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to throw you a little curveball here. You've, I mean, this is a department of a size that has a, a PIO or a communication specialist and you have those resources. Um, what it, you know, I mean, Twitter's not expensive for smaller agencies that don't have a PIO, for smaller agencies that, you know, um, don't have the staffing for that. How, how, do you, how, do you, how can they tell their story? Uh, I'm willing to bet that they have somebody on their staff who mm-hmm. does have those capabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even seen some great, um, uh, we'll call it te- more tenured police employees who are uh, experts uh, with mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding um, who has that talent in your agency. Um, and, and really kind of, I've thought about it in many ways about f- kind of flipping the paradigm of how you get the word out in your agency. You know, it used to be that you, you spoke with one voice, it was only the chief or the sheriff speaking, maybe it was just your PIO person. Mm-hmm. So yes, when it comes to emergency communications, you have to speak with one voice inside mm-hmm. an agency or be in you know, consultation right. with your city. But when it comes to the routine stuff, um, we need to think about how our world is now wired for communications. Uh, I can get, um, for Marysville, the word out much better through a variety of different sources mm-hmm. and by using a cadre of, of folks. So like we, we do have a PIO, but it's through our city, and we only use them uh, sporadically. We have a PIO cadre made up of officers, uh, sergeants, and a commander that leads that group. Um, that works collaboratively to get the word out. So um, a smaller agency could adapt a similar model where you have a sergeant and an officer and maybe even a member of your civilian staff uh, that work to help get the word out. And have you have you noticed as well that, and I, I don't want to attribute it just to age, but just uh, people that are more conversant with social media, more conversant with everything you just described, um, not only being okay doing this but enjoying doing that I mean is that what you're finding oh some people get a, a real thrill right. out of it right okay. and then and then it's about for the agency what works for your area mm-hmm. you know when I when I first got here we weren't using next door at all mm-hmm. but we were using Twitter well next door for us can connect immediately with about 13,000 residents within the city wow. there's nothing else that we have in our communications toolbox that can reach that many people that quickly mm-hmm. on a particular issue or mm-hmm. a good story yeah and it's something that, you know, when I started in 
in law enforcement. It, it would have never even occurred to me what you just described. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but we would do the you know the poster of look for this missing person. Well, now you can use something like Nextdoor. Mm-hmm. You get that up to thirteen thousand people at one time. And, and, I, and I did that this morning. We're looking for a, a rattle can white uh, PT cruiser that was involved in a mm-hmm. residential burglary and two mm-hmm. dangerous suspects. So. And I'll show you how effective that is. I actually saw that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I was like, hey, I actually saw that. It's working. Um, so, again, I'll just go back to, uh, I, I, lo- I love this phrase, and I think I-, I could sit and think about this for days, and I wouldn't come up with a better way to do this. Slow down, team up, tell our story. This is really where we're at right now, and I think it's a tremendous way, Chief, to communicate both internally and externally kind of where we are in a, what I think is a pretty constructive way. Um, it sounds to me like it's going, you know, it's going as well as it can be in your mm-hmm. department in a growing agency. Again, we have lots of things we need to do, uh, changes to the reform laws that I think are very necessary. But in terms of the big picture and where we're going, focusing on that de-escalation of patrol tactics. Um, you talk about change and you're exactly right in, in your career. Um, what do you think? It's hard to tell because I would have asked you 10 years ago, what's, what are things going to look like in 10 years? But I think in some ways you probably would not predict it terribly some, dis, you know, different than what it is. What do you think law enforcement is going to look like 10 years from now? Mm, that's a good question. Um, in some ways, we're going to be doing a lot of the same stuff, mm-hmm. I think. Um, anybody who's been in law enforcement for long enough realizes at some point, like, oh, this is the same thing over and over again, just a little different each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... What we can look at and what history teaches us is that our job will continue to evolve. We will have uh, new uh, challenges and, and crimes that we couldn't even dream of today that become issues of tomorrow, um, be it uh, dealing with autonomous vehicle collisions or um, who knows mm-hmm. whatever the next technological mm-hmm. challenge is going to be for us, right? Um, and then there's going to be continued evolution um, of society and expectations and norms um, and, and we will continue to see laws change on us. Uh, and that will affect maybe some who have served in law enforcement longer, who, who have challenged with that change. But I've also seen people who have served in law enforcement for a very long time be able to look at the change and go, yeah, mm-hmm. been there, done that, seen it. It's a lot right now, granted, um, but we'll get through this. And that's back to that concept of law enforcement like, is like water. We will always find a way to be able to effectively, safely, um, legally, morally do what the community expects um, for us and drive good public safety solutions. Exactly. Well, thank you. This is, uh, I have learned a lot uh, just in the roughly half hour that we've been talking about this. And um, I thank you for not only your time, I thank you for your leadership. You're a, you're a leader uh, in, uh, in our state. Uh, and uh, doing really good things with Marysville Police Department. And uh, it's been great to have you here today. Thank you. Well, Steve, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. This has been a podcast of the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs, or WASPIC, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.